My name's Tim. I'm one of the leaders here. We are actually going to do a bit of a tag team this morning. So Dave's going to help us, Vicky, and so is Al as well. So I wouldn't like to take that I'm doing everything at all, but we're going to be doing some stuff together, um, which is fantastic. Um, oh, it's raining, isn't it? Those who prayed for rain, a couple of weeks ago, I said about it, and you're like, we want more rain. It's raining too much. It should be more sunny. Let me just get this all ready. Why don't you turn to someone next to you and say one thing you're enjoying about the summer holidays. Turn next to you. One thing you're enjoying about the summer holidays. Maybe you don't work in the summer holidays in terms of like because you don't have kids, so everything's just normal. Summer holidays just like, what's the difference about summer holidays? Um, But more hectic. But as Jamie said, I'm carrying on a series of generosity, and Jamie spoke last week, but this morning I'm going to be speaking on faith-filled generosity. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 15. If you haven't got a Bible, or if you haven't got a smartphone with a Bible on it, there's a Bible at the back, and if you don't have a Bible at all, feel free to take that home as a gift from us. We want everyone to have a Bible in their house, so do take that home with you, but 2 Corinthians Chapter 8, verse 15. I think in the last few days, whilst you're looking for that, you know, so much rain has come down. It's unbelievable. Like, it's like it hasn't rained for like three months, and then it just like downpours. We were in London this week, and it was absolutely horrible. Um, You know, the two days we picked to go to London and do some tourist stuff, it just absolutely downpours. It's like... Frustrated. But are you there? Great. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse uh, 15. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, but whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but, but, but being himself very earnest. He is going to you on his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is, uh, sorry, the brother who is famous among all churches for his preaching the gospel. Not only that, but he is appointed by the church to travel with us. We are carrying out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame it blame us about the generous gift that has been administered by us. Verse 21. For we aim for, for we aim at what is honorable not only in the law's sight but also in the sight of man. Verse 22. And with them we are sending our brother whom have often tested and found in earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest in you uh, more earnest than ever because of his greatest confidence in you. And for Titus, he is a partner and a fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. So give proof before churches of your love, of our boasting about these men. I wanted to read that bit first. But I want to read the, the the first bit. I want to start off reading another bit just before it now. This is what it said. Verse chapter 8, we, verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, 
about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, their extreme poverty have overflowed in wealth of generosity on their, of their part. For they gave according to their, their means, as I can testify, beyond their means of their own accord. Verse 4, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, as, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then uh, by the will of God to us. See, I read the, that second part first because what Paul uh, was saying here is that b- because of the church in Macedonia, Titus and others were able to go and do the Lord's work. And it was because of the church in Macedonia that he, they, including Paul, would be able to go and tell the message of Jesus. It was the generosity of the church in Macedonia. This is what Charles Spurgeon says theologian church leader in all of my years of service to my lord i have discovered a truth that has never failed has never compromised the truth is that beyond the realm of possibility that one has the ability sorry that one has the ability to outgive god even if i give my whole heart whole whole of my worth to him he will find a way to give back to me even more than I gave. Let me just read it again. In all of my years of service to my Lord, I have discovered a truth that has never failed and has never been compromised. That truth is that it is beyond the realm of possibility, it's beyond the realm of possibility, that one has the ability to outgive God. Even if I give my whole worth to him, he will find a way to give back to me much more than I gave. Charles Spurgeon He's saying here that it is impossible to outgive God. It's impossible. You might think, oh, I'll give my time to this or my money to this or I'll do this or do that. But he's saying that if we do that, God finds a way to give us something back. He said, I could give my whole worth to him and still he'll find some way, somehow, God will find of giving me something back. And this in 2 Corinthians 8, the Macedonian church got this. It says they were in poverty. They were in poverty. Faith-filled generosity puts it in God's hands that God will use our generosity and we will trust that whatever we give, God will use and God will also supply our needs. And I think the Macedonian church got hold of this, right? They got hold of that whatever I give, God will supply my needs. Today, in 21st century Paul, we look at the Sandbanks Peninsula. We look, at, we look out to the, the Purbeck Hills. And we look at our problems. And I'm talking about our big problems. You know, our big first world problems of my washing machine is broken. My mobile phone has stopped texting. And it's other problems. I've got this problem or this problem. But actually, if we pull it into context, these are first world problems. You know, I know some people that whenever you say something, they'll be like, oh, that's just first world problems. That's their quote time. First world problems. And it's actually really frustrating. It's like, yes, yeah, it's a problem, though. I can't text on my phone. I can't text on my phone. This is a problem. But really, it's like, in context, 
It's a first world problem. The Macedonian church, it says they were, they were, they were in poverty. What I read into that is that basically they didn't have much. That they, they probably struggled to put food on their table. You know, they didn't buy the iWatches, the iPhones. They didn't probably have a TV. Surprise, surprise. They didn't have a washing machine. You know, they didn't have all these luxuries, which I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy. But their heart in Macedonia was, we're in poverty, but actually we want to make a difference. We want to support the work of Titus. And that's why I read that second bit first, because it, it was saying what was the, uh, the outcome of the giving. It was so that Titus and others could go and build the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that there is an estimated 140 million people without the Bible in their own language on this world today? 114 million people who haven't got one of these in their own language. So they, don't, they can't read the Bible. Crazy. I find that crazy. We can access Facebook, Instagram. I suspect they've got Facebook though. Uh, you know, but, but 114 million people. It's crazy. And they think, they think that their estimates are that 1.5 billion people uh, don't have uh, any part of the Bible at all. So 114 million people don't have the Bible, and they reckon 1.5 billion people don't have any part of the Bible. So they might have like a little snippet. They might have a bit of Matthew. Sometimes they get a bit of Matthew because they've copied it and such, etc. And for me, I have a passion that everyone in the whole world will have an access to the Bible. I have a passion. I, 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 in my mind, I can't comprehend why they haven't got the Bible. I can't comprehend that. You know, something so small and so thing. So, you know, what we do is that we give two Bibles away every month through the Bible Society and, and give out. We don't know where they're going. We don't know who's getting hold of it. But we believe and we trust God, faith-filled, that someone will get those two Bibles every month and that they will come to know Jesus. Something so small. It, it, it's not much money at all. I'm not big at the Bible Society yet. But what I'm saying is, is actually, is that our generosity can make a difference in people's lives. And faith-filled generosity is that you don't always know the outcome. You don't know, I don't know who's getting a Bible. I don't know. I trust God in that. I, I don't know what's going to happen after that. I, I don't know, you know, you know, what am I getting out of it? Well, nothing at the moment, but I know God takes care of my needs. I know he does. He takes always care of my needs so I can put food on the table and live in a, in a house, etc., etc. And when we are generous, often we don't know the outcome. And that's the best way to be. Why should we be generous? I want to give us a few reasons. Firstly, God has been so generous towards us. Just think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. God has been so generous towards us. Each person in this room, God has done something for you. And it started, you know, 2,000 years ago, roughly, you know, when he sent his son upon that cross. 
so that you could have life and eternal life today. This is the generous act of God. But then daily, he's being generous towards us. He's given us things. There's a theological saying called, uh, um, um, what's the word? I've forgotten forgotten my head now. Where did I put it? Common grace. There's There's a saying called common grace. And common grace is that God sustains everything and everyone. You're grieving today because that is by the grace of God. You've done nothing for it. Everyone's grieving today. It's common grace. It's the grace of God that we exist today. He's holding everything in perfect harmony. He's a sovereign God. But God's grace goes further than that because he died. He died for us through his son Jesus upon that cross. And how has he been generous towards you and me? Because he died upon that cross. Let's never forget the power of the death and resurrection. The life transformation that we were once sinners, but now we are free. We're no longer condemned. We're no longer living shame. We no longer live in guilt. But we are free to be who God has called us to be. And there, and also, he goes even more. This is grace. This is generosity of God. He goes even more and he looks after our needs. He looks after our needs. For God so loved the world... He has been so generous to us, you know, because you are still here. Secondly, everything belongs to God. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. David here. You know, I always picture David in the mountains. I don't know why, but I always picture him in the mountains writing the Psalms. I don't know how true it is, but I I do. I picture him in the mountains looking over the hills. And as he's looking over the hills, he's thinking, God, you made all of this. You know, he was a shepherd boy. He's probably thinking, God, you made all the cattle. You made everything. And then he's lent it towards us. Do you know everything that you own? Everything in your bank account is not yours. It's God's. It is God's. Because everything is his. Everything you own is God's. You know, sometimes we think, well, I I earned that money. I went to work on a Monday morning. I earned that money. I paid for my clothes. I worked hard. And you did work hard for it. You did work hard for it. But it's God's. And if you have that perspective, it's so much easier to be generous. It is so much easier because you don't look at it as my and my thing. I, I heard a story even just quite recently the other day. And there was this guy and he was at an airport and uh, he, he was going to the airport. He goes to the airport quite a lot. He travels quite a lot. And he was at the airport and he was, travel- he was waiting for his flight and he had some donuts with him. And they were on the side, and then so he started to eat a donut. And there was a person opposite him who started to eat another donut. And he's thinking, he's eating my donut. You know, he had one of those bags of like five of donuts, you know. And he said, he's eating my donut. So this guy went for another donut. And then, and then the other guy went for the other donut. He's thinking, oh, he's eating my donut. And then the other guy said to him, oh, you can have that last donut. And he's thinking, yeah, because it's my donuts. And then this guy realized that he hadn't picked up his donuts. They were actually the other guy's donuts. He left his donuts. But sometimes 
Sometimes we think there are donuts. We think there are donuts, but actually they are God's donuts. What God has given us, he also entrusts to us. Whether you have 10 pounds or 10,000 pounds, 10 kids, 10 friends, 10 whatever you have, God has entrusted that to you. If you think about that, God has entrusted your life to you, your family, your friends, how much money you've got in your bank, the things you have in your house. If you've got a night, if you've well, not got a night house, but if you've got a house, be hospitable. God has entrusted that to you. He's entrusted. The Bible says, those he's given much, he expects much. I hate that scripture. <laughs> because he expects much of me. I, I believe I've got lots. I do have lots. You know, I am blessed. I, am, I have been blessed by God. So he expects much of me to look after the things he has given me. He expects much of me to take care of it and use it well. I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your, your family, your friends, you know, the, your workplaces, everywhere. Things that God has given us, he expects us to do well. Last, uh, last one. We're not going to take it with us. This is from uh, Matthew. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is is where your heart will also be. We all know in this room, well, none of us are stupid, right? I hope not anyway. But we all know that the, everything that we have right now is not going to go with us. We all know that, don't we? But it's so easy to, think, to, to forget it in reality. In practice, it's easy to forget it. Oh, well, you know, I want, you know, 300,000 pounds in my bank so that when I die, you know, I can do something with it. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. But, you know, or oh, I wait to retirement. And we just hold on to things. You know, and it, whether, whatever it is, we are not going to take it with us. There is no point storing up stuff on this earth where moths and venom destroy it, where thieves break in and steal it, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. This passage is Jesus saying, where are you using what God has entrusted into you for, for heaven's purposes, for kingdom purposes? Where are you using it? Where are you using it, church? You know, and I know people in this room. There's a lot of generous people in this room. I, I know that, but I think there's more. I think there's more people that can be generous. Because we can't out-generous, be out, 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 be out, we can't out-generous our God, can we? So there's more. There's more in my life. I can be generous. There's more in your life. You can be generous. I'm not talking about whacking up 5,000 pounds on a credit card. But I'm talking about what God has entrusted into us. You've got a house, be hospitable. You've got 10 pounds in your bank, where well, are you going to bless someone with a fiver? You know, it's that sort of attitude. Do you know, every year between Christmas and New Year, I use it as a week as reflection. You know, you've got a perfect Christmas and New Year. I reflect on my life, many of you know this, and I reflect on what's going on in church. And I set, I expect, um, I, I reflect 
on everything, everything from everything from t uh, personal free targets, you know, about maybe getting fit, I'm going to start the 5K, you know, um, everything from spiritual life, what I want to achieve, how much I want to read the Bible this year. And I say to God, what do you want me to do this year? And it also I do how much I give away. I'm not just talking about to the church, charities, everything from money aside to how much do you want to bless people this year, take out, you know, look at the whole shebang. And I encourage each one of us to do that in our lives. Because we can get in a routine, I do this, I do this, I do this. But to set time aside, I'm not saying you do the exact same as me, because that's what I feel for me. But set time aside to say, actually, what, what do you want to do this year? Because God might say to you, actually, you know, pull back on that, but do more of this. You know, we might say, go full on this year and take a breather next year. You know, there's rhythms, there's different times and seasons in life. But with generosity, it should be part of our everyday life. Where can I be generous? Be intentionally looking, not just thinking, oh, when Tim is reminding me to be generous, I can be generous. But it's about constantly, I want to be generous to someone. I want, how can I be generous to someone today? Al, can you come and share with us? Is that okay? We've already had it on the screen that um, Jesus said it's better to give than receive, but I'm going to start the other way around because some of us, particularly in the Western world or first world, as Tim's mentioned, we find it difficult, find it embarrassing to receive because maybe that shows, you know, we're, we're supposed to be have all these things and if we receive from somebody else, that exposes a lack in us. So I'm going to start with some examples where I've benefited from other people's generosity, and I'll end with some opportunities I've had to bless others. Um, going back nearly 30 years, Jane and I found ourselves with just pence in our pockets. And the background is that God called us to Bible college. How he did that is a testimony in itself, but I haven't got time to go into that. The upshot was that I went part-time Instead of working five days a week, I worked three days a week. Uh, Jane wasn't working at the time because we had two small boys, one just gone to school and one under school. And somehow we managed on what God had given us. <coughs> Let me get through this bit. When it got to Ed's birthday, which is September, we wanted to give him a party but we had no money. On that Sunday, we went to church and two people didn't know our circumstances because being British, we didn't talk about it. Two people separately came up to us and said, I think God wants me to give you some cash. And it doesn't matter what the cash was, it was a considerable amount. And it relieved our worry, and we were able to organize party presents for Ed. It's one of those strange things. It was humbling and uplifting at the same time. So, moving on to more recently when Duncan was in the depths of his uh, cancer treatment, the family in the church gave us some vouchers for ready meals. I don't know if you know Cook from Westbourne. 
they do um, pre prepared stuff. And the food's delicious. It really was. And it wasn't that we needed the money, because we could have bought that ourselves. The important thing was the kindness behind the gift. They gave us, Jane in particular, the freedom to think things are tough. We're not cooking tonight. Got something to fall back on. And so it was not the monetary side, but it was the kindness behind the gift. As many of you know, Jane and I volunteered with a drug rehabilitation charity for a number of years. And neither of us um, talked much to people on the streets, but doing that, you become more confident. So as part of that, I happened to be down the pool at my lunch hour. I'd gone down to buy something, and I saw a young lad, let's say he was 20, and he was begging, and I'd got in the habit of asking the name, because it was Adam, and how he'd got into that situation. And he told me, you know, the background, fa you know, family troubles, and why he was down here, and why he was the way he was. And I noticed that it was, it was cold and wet. And as father of two sons, I felt compassion. Did he have a coat? No, he didn't. Would he like one? Well, what was I on about? Would he like a coat? He didn't know that I was at what I was at. And I said, look, you need a coat. I've got money in my, in my wallet. We're off to Oswald Bailey. It wasn't that I bought him a really posh coat, but I made sure that it was waterproof and padded so it kept him warm and dry. I felt bad because I couldn't help his homelessness. I couldn't help his breakdown of family. I could meet his need with a simple thing like a coat. It doesn't have to be big to make a difference to someone else. At that time, we used to walk down High Street, um, Paul High Street on a Friday evening. You get to know the regulars, those who are outside various shops and cash points and what have you. And one of them, um, I used to sit there with his dog and people give him things and we chatting with him. And he mentioned he used to read his Bible every day, but he'd had trouble reading it and he was having trouble with his eyesight and without thinking I'd reach into my pocket because I had a cheap pair of glasses from Lidl's and I said would these be any good and similar to these I suppose he put them on put out his bike oh wow man this is amazing I can see it properly now and he was more chuffed with a £2.99 pair of glasses that met a need than if I'd given him know money or bought him food and thereafter he would thank me for what <laughs> to be honest was nothing it was just an old pair of glasses that I had in my pocket but to him it was just what he needed thank you Al Vicky somewhere I'm going to be similar to Al, actually. Um, so this last week, I've been thinking about what generosity is. 
Um, and I've just been thinking, you know, when we think about being generous, we do often, our, our first thoughts are about money. Um, and, and giving money is great. Uh, you know, giving money to bless someone or, or to a charity or to someone that needs it is an amazing thing to be able to do. It's such a good thing. Um, but, you know, as we've kind of heard about this morning, it's not the only way that we can be generous, actually. Um, we can be generous with our time, with a skill that we have, with something that we're gifted with. You know, that all of us here have something, as Tim has said, that we can be generous with for other people. Um, it's just that very often we don't think we can be or, or we kind of think to the, the money things or, or stuff like that. Um, so I did very similarly to Al. When I thought about being generous, it helped me to first think about how people have been generous to us, actually. Um, so I kind of just looked back over, um, you know, our years since we've been married and, and just thinking, you know, when, when me and Jamie got married, actually people were so generous to us. They were generous in making our wedding invites, making my dress, doing our flowers, my fascinator in my hair. We, just, we had so much help. We were so blessed by so many people, people here at the Vine doing things for us. It, it was amazing. Um, and then when I was pregnant with Isaac, um, we decided that that would be a really good time to move. Uh, and um, actually, we ended up moving literally a couple of weeks before he was born, which meant that we had to go and uh, move in with our parents which was amazing. They were very generous to us, as you would probably expect them to be, I think. Um, and then when Isaac was eight weeks old, we moved into the house where we are now. And actually, I couldn't do very much. Uh, you know, had a had a newborn. And again, people here helped us. They helped us to move. They helped us to unpack. They built furniture for us. They did, you know, amazing things. I just kind of sat down while people did stuff around me, which was awesome. Um, but before that, when, when I was pregnant, we went to uh, some antenatal classes, and we went to some antenatal classes through the vineyard group of churches. Um, and the people there said that um, once Isaac was born, uh, they would provide meals for us at a time that was convenient to us. And we knew that we would be moving. We knew that we wouldn't need them straight away. And I felt really cheeky. I was like, actually, we're not going to need the meals until, you know, kind of October, Isaac will almost be like three months old, is that okay? And they were like, no, 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 absolutely. They provided us with two weeks of meals, so we had two weeks of meals from this antenatal group, plus, you know, meals from people here at the church. I think we had meals for like a month, which was wonderful. Um, and, uh, and then the same thing happened again when Judah was born. People were like, provided meals for us, which was awesome. Uh, and a lot of you here have, you know, as Al was giving testimony to, a lot of you here have experienced that for yourselves, you know, when you've had babies or if you've been unwell or for, you know, any difficulties or, or you know, anything that you've needed. People are, are very willing to, to help and, and cook and provide something. And, and my experience has also been that people like to do things and be quite practical in their help as well. People often like to feel like they're doing something, you know. Um, and so, you know, just in that people being generous to us in that way, it kind of made me think about how we can um, fulfill a need. And so when we um, started meeting with Vine Tots, we had um, a few mums that were coming along that were pregnant. And I just thought, actually, it would be really lovely if we could bless them with meals in the same way that people have blessed us in the past. Um, and um, we've probably done meals for about, I don't know, five or six mums now in total over the two years that we've been doing Vine Tots. And 
you know, when, when you go and ask them, they're kind of like, oh, okay, wow, are you sure? Are you sure you want to provide us with a million? That's so kind. And, and they're, they're really taken aback because actually it's probably not something that people do all too often in the world, you know, offer to help people and provide something for them. Um, and actually it was... It, for the mums that we have provided meals for, it's been really timely as well. So, for instance, um, quite recently, um, we made a meal for a mum and delivered it kind of around when the baby was about three weeks old. And actually, her husband was away with work at that time. So it was just great timing for her. She really needed it at that time. Um, another family, um, the two older children were actually unwell the week that we delivered the meal. So it was just, it's always been really timely. And, and they have been really appreciative. And actually, it's been a real privilege for, for us, not just for myself, but I know for all the people, some of you here that have made meals for those new families. It's just been great to be able to do that for them and actually, you know, be generous with, with what we've got and, you know, skills that we have and things that we can actually do for people. Um, and, you know, it's just made me think really, and uh, just thinking about when Jamie spoke you know, last week he spoke about having a thankful heart and receiving what God has for us. Um, I think that when we open our hearts to generosity, it encourages us to be humble and it reminds us to be grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Vicky. Dave. Hello. Um, I'm going to repeat a fair bit of what's already been said. Um, but when Tim asked me to talk about generosity, I started thinking about um, what had been the biggest impact in my life um, in terms of generosity. Um, and I don't want to take anything away from physical gifts, money or anything like that, um, because that for some people would dramatically change their lives. Um, but for me, it was words that people had said, it was time that they had given to me, um, and it was their actions that they had... Um, uh, done in my life that has had the biggest impact. Um, so I want to share something with you. Um, for those who don't know, I'm a, a science lecturer at Bournemouth and Paul College. Um, I teach a topic called um, contemporary issues in science. So uh, I research different topics and um, look into the science behind it and the, the debate behind it. Um, and I was looking into the effects of smoking on health. Um, and I found some really interesting things. Um, so I found that you could smoke for years and years and nothing would ever happen to you at all, health-wise. Um, and people found this quite shocking because they think you know, smoking kills. Um, but then when looking at it, I found you are three times more likely to die from diabetes um, than you are from the effects of smoking. Um, that people think lung cancer, um, that cigarettes are the biggest cause, but it's, it's actually your own DNA rather than a cigarette. Um, and I shared this with a group of my students, um, even though I completely just made all that up. You know, absolute rubbish. <laughs> and more than half believed me. Half of them actually thought that that was true. How many of you guys actually just thought that was true, what I just said? Anyone? Yeah, a couple of you. <laughs> um, and it made me realize just how powerful words can be. That if you say it and articulate it in the correct way, you can change anyone's mind. Um, you can build people up or, or you can destroy them just with words. Um, and it made me realize just in that position that I have the choice as a teacher to be generous with my words or critical with my words, that I can build up my students or I can knock them down. Um, and I remember a, a lecturer back at uni who said, as a teacher, you have no idea 
how far-reaching your actions will be. That if you say something to one person that encourages them or builds them up, they might take that on and use that. It might inspire them in their lives to inspire other people, to inspire their children, however many generations it might go on for. Um, so you have no idea how far-reaching your actions are. And if you're a role model, a parent, teacher, anyone at all, if someone looks up to you, you have the power to be generous with your words, to build them up and encourage them. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's really, really important. Um, and then I think the people who in my life encouraged me and who were generous with their, their words and time. Um, and there was, there was two particular youth leaders for me. Um, so my dad's a minister in the URC um, and we moved to Devon when I was 12 and I didn't have any friends. Um, so in that environment, I was, I was quite alone. Um, and there was one youth leader at my church and one um, who ran a youth club separately that I went to and I, I made friends. Um, and they talked to me about my faith and things like that. And at that time, had I not constantly been thinking about my faith, um, I probably wouldn't have come to a decision one way or the other. Um, at which point I probably wouldn't have become a Christian. Um, I wouldn't have met my lovely wife. I wouldn't be in the position I am in now. And I look back and think that small act, that tiny little thing that those youth leaders did, um, it's had a massive impact on my life. You know, the, the small amount of time that they gave, you know, their generosity and the time that they gave me, who was, you know, just a teenager. They didn't know who I was. They just welcomed me with open arms. They did as God said and just said, I will go and spend time with that person. I will talk with that person. And it's had a massive impact on my life. Um, so I, I want to emulate that. Um, I have a big passion for, for helping youth and, and, and young people. Um, now, I, I don't know if I'll change their lives or anything like that. Um, but if God tells me that's what I want you doing, that's what I'm going to do. Because if I have the opportunity to potentially help someone, um, I want to give them that time. I want to give them those words. Um, I want to um, help them with my actions. Um, so it's not, for me, just the physical gifts. I, I want to give that as well. But it's, for me, it's words, it's actions, and it's time that I want to give because someone in my life gave that to me. They were generous enough to change my life in that way. So I want to do the same for as many people as I can as well. Thanks, Dave. Um, Penny's going to come up. We're going to have a bit of response time. Um, you know, why do we be generous? And like the, these three people, Al, Vicky, and Dave have said, it's because it makes a difference. That person that bought us a meal, that person that cut my grass, that person that taught me how to use emails, not me, by the way, but could be someone in this room, that person that spent time listening to me, that person, that person. And we all have those people in our lives. And we should look for opportunities to be generous to one another, generous to our friends and family because of what God has done for us. And Penny's going to sing a song now. Some of you might know it. And this is an opportunity, stay seated, just to think about things. You know, in church, while we're sitting down, we're standing up worshiping and praising God or we're listening to a message, and often we don't get time to think and think about what's been said. And I want us to, as we listen to this song, that we think about who's been generous to us and thank God for those people but also how we can be generous to others. We do so much, but how can we be more generous? What do we still want to keep doing? Maybe we're doing something, we've got to think, well, I want to keep doing that. 
to be generous. Let's just take some time to reflect.